Welcome to Unity Lutheran Church. We're a one church, two campus ministry located in Brookfield, Wisconsin. This podcast comes to you from our pastors, John, Sherry, Muriel, and Jennifer. It's part of our Renew ministry that helps our congregation renew spiritually and in community. We're in a podcast series called Sins and Virtues. Together, we look at words that describe us and talk about their benefits and their challenges in our lives of faith. We explore how wonderfully God made us and gives us tremendous capacity for good. That's our virtue. And we explore our dark sides, our sinful ones, and the ways in which we are challenged with both. Thank you for joining us for our seventh and last week of our Sins and Virtues podcast. This week's topic is control. I'm Pastor Jennifer, your host. Joining us this week are Pastors John and Muriel. Welcome, everybody. Hey, Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. Last week. It's been, it's been so fun to do this. Totally new for us. Several of us, me, had never even really listened to podcasts before. So for any of you listening who would be willing to give us your feedback, we would love to know what this has been like what we should do in the future, how we could make it better. But it's fun. It's fun to sit and talk with you guys once a week. It is. It is. Yeah. I got to tell you, though, you guys, I'm having a hard time getting into this because spelling is kicking us in the pants. <laughs> Second grade spelling is kicking us in the pants at my house. Is this a control issue, Jennifer? It is totally a control issue. Tell my us more. My child cannot remember to bring her spelling list home. So I was just on the phone with the teacher saying, ah, she forgot to bring it home again. And the teacher said, oh, I think we should just let it go for this week. And I'm like, no, we can't let it go. <laughs> so would you describe yourself as a... Uh, a controlling or uncontrolling type of mom? When it comes to spelling, I'm very <laughs> controlling. <laughs> and is that a vice or a virtue? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be true of so many of our discussions. So we were tossing around, like, control, good or bad. If you're feeling out of control, that's not a good feeling. And there are a lot of moments in life where you feel out of control as you parent, as you experience ups and downs, maybe in your career, in your health. Then we were talking about what's... Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, that's, I mean, that's two different kinds of out of control. There's when you feel out of control, like you can't control yourself or your reaction, that's a scary feeling. Like uh, for me, a lot of times, John's going to totally make fun of me for this one, but I, I cry very easily, and so there are times when I really don't want to cry for whatever reason and, and can't stop myself, and that lack of control over myself is scary. But then mm. there's also feeling out of control, like feeling like things around you are out of control and you have no control right. over the circumstances. That's a different kind of scary, but equally bad, usually, I would think. Well, you were talking a lot about recovery and how out of control an addiction must feel. Not my personal experience, uh, but sure, in talking to the men at Genesis or Serenity Inn, and yet, kind of ironically, or maybe there's a better word than that, I mean, only when they 
surrender and at some level give up all control, do they begin to forge a new and different path that isn't driven by the addiction? Yeah, they talk about, I mean, that's where I've learned most of what's helped in my own faith about control and surrender is from people in recovery. And like, boy, they've learned it the hard way. But a lot of them say that they, you know, the first step to them to being able to find recovery was just kind of accepting things that weren't in their control. And then, I mean, not all of them are religious, but the ones who are talk a lot about their relationship with God in terms of surrender, which maybe is the opposite of control. Like Ken always said, Ken came and spoke here once. Now he's on staff at Genesis House. But he said that every morning when he gets up, the, this he prays in the morning, and his prayer is like a complete surrender of his day. So he gets up and he prays like, okay, God, this day is all yours. Use me today any way you want, like whoever you want me to see, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to say, I'm all yours. And that's how he starts the day. Man, that's probably how I should start my day. Well, I think that's such the opposite of, I'm going to throw in a scripture here, but those four guys who come and see their friend who can't walk, and they bring him to Jesus, and they literally have to go, and they unroof the roof, they take off the roof, they dig out the thatch and lower him down in because the house is so full of people because they know Jesus can heal their friend. Um, like, they're taking control. That's true. They're not surrendering. To <laughs> they are not surrendering. Odds that seem to be against. Yeah. And literally break down the roof. Well, maybe this is a good example of a word where there isn't a perfect opposite, and so it's really situations. Also, in some contexts, surrender is kind of the opposite of control, but maybe in others it's freedom, and in others it's retaking an initiative back from um, circumstances that have inappropriately maybe taken control from your life. Mm. I guess I would also, you know, I, I think uh, we were talking too how fear, when it gets mixed into the dialogue, has a lot to do with our control issues. The more afraid we are, the more we try to control circumstances. And in a survival situation, maybe that's good, but in a lot of relationship situations, that's a bad instinct, our fear of losing something or someone, whatever it is then the more we try and control the situation, the worse the outcome usually. Yeah, generally when fear is your motivator, I don't make very good decisions when. Are you when trying I'm to afraid. tell me I need to let Jasmine fail her spelling test? <laughs> uh, no, I, I kind of agree with your instinct that, that is struggling with that. Okay. Uh, but maybe, I mean, you know. Natural consequences. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm always just trying to, I love to disagree with you, John, you know, so I'm always just trying to think of what the counter example <laughs> That's what I'm here be. for, Muriel. But, so I'm thinking about time, sometimes when we're afraid and uncertain, it is helpful to have something to control because, because that helps diminish the fear and you, and you feel like you have at least something solid to stand on. So I'm just thinking about when 
I was going into labor and Alice was going to be born, and like nothing was going the way I wanted it to. Right? I was so overdue. I wasn't going to be able to have her at the birth center. We had to go into the hospital. Uh, I had to have the IV in my arm. I had to have the stupid bracelet on. Like nothing was the way I wanted it. And and I knew that. Oh, and then and a nurse came in, and I knew that one one decision I could make was if I didn't like a nurse, I could ask for a different nurse. And so this poor nurse, she was probably just fine, but I was like, Andrew, I want you to go tell them that I want a different nurse. <laughs> and she was probably just fine, but the fact that I like, was able to control one little bit of this process that was so out of my control helped me feel better, like, okay, like, you know, I'm not totally helpless. Um, it's not what I imagined, but everything's going to be okay. I still have some agency in the matter. So, I don't know. Shades of gray. Shades of gray. <laughs> I, you're just trying to, you would just want to make a zing about my controlness. I could see it in your eyes. What you got? I, I, no, no, I, I'm just sitting here as a, every man knows to never challenge any labor and delivery story. <laughs> you are correct, Muriel. That was exactly the right thing to do in that oh, situation. Goodness. Yeah, that poor nurse. Well, how about, I would think when people think about the subject of control and religion, now this is going in a totally different direction, but I think one of the downsides of, of all religions, and we can certainly go into the details with Christianity in particular, but uh, religion can often be controlling of people and not in a positive way. Um, I, I think of... I think so many religious principles start out as something that are intended to be a gift for the betterment of human life, and, and then we as humans turn them into control mechanisms which kind of shrink the experience of human life. Uh, so, I mean, specific examples in, in the Christian tradition would be uh, how often we have uh, really tried to control sexuality and people's sexual behavior way out of proportion to anything that appears in, in the Gospels. I mean, a subject that Jesus like virtually doesn't touch on. And there are tons of people who have grown up in Christianity over the ages who feel as if that was the primary thing Christianity was about, mm -hmm. was to just like keep all of that stuff under control. Yeah. So how do you... How do you think you tell the? How do you tell the difference? Like, how do you discern when a guide of faith is a helpful guide, and when is it a limiting control? It's the Christmas ham. Have you ever Say heard more. the story oh, of the Christmas ham? I've heard it, but it's worth retelling. Yes. Yes. So the Christmas ham is two sisters are making the Christmas ham. And the one sister goes and she cuts off both ends of the ham and she puts it in the pan and she starts to glaze it and she puts it in the oven. And the other sister says, why do you cut off both ends of the ham? And the, other, and the first sister says, well, I don't know. That's the way mom always made the ham. That's the way she taught me to make the ham. I don't know. And the second sister says, well, let's call mom. So they call mom and say, hey, mom, we're making the ham. We were just wondering, what's the purpose in cutting off the ends of the ham? And the mom starts to laugh. And she says, well, 
I never had a pan that was big enough to fit the entire ham, so I just cut off both ends of the ham. So for me, that story is a reminder of when we lose touch with why, or when the why we do something has changed or is no longer necessary. That's how you know when. Well, that would when be it's a marker guide, and when yeah. it's a shrinking your world. Yeah, I, I would think. John's going to disagree with me. No, 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 no. I totally agree with that. I, I was just thinking. Um, I, I think when religion becomes rules that control behavior, it, it's not like we shouldn't have guidelines and, and rules in life, but um, I, I think the cool thing about the Jesus tradition is he doesn't make any rules. The one rule he does make is totally subjective and neighbor-focused. It's just the love God and love everyone else. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and this is someone who's coming out of a tradition that had Hundreds of rules, 632, yeah. um, and, and he affirmed that tradition and, and didn't feel as if he was at some level disagreeing with it, but I think his attempt was to, I mean, the most classic thing is when he says, people aren't made for the Sabbath, the Sabbath is made for people. It's supposed to be a gift, not a control mechanism, and... If you have to fall off of the line in one direction or the other, it's in the direction of how do I use this gift for the betterment of the people around me as opposed to how do I use this gift to turn it into a rule to control the people around me. Well, can we go back to the idea of freedom? Because I think I mean, maybe, that, it, maybe that's kind of the key where sometimes being able to have a little bit of control over yourself or your circumstances gives you freedom, right? To be able to make choices and act in certain ways. Um, so if control, and then other times control is about limiting the freedoms, especially if it's of the people around you, but yourself too. I mean, I mean maybe that's how you kind of discern healthy and unhealthy control. Does it promote freedom? So I'm thinking of the beginning and ending gospel stories as not like definitional of this whole discussion, but just like really good examples of it. So the Christmas narratives, you've got Joseph who, I think when he finds out Mary is pregnant, kind of responsibly tries to control the situation, doesn't want to get even with her, just you know wants to put her away quietly. I'm doing air quotes if you could see me. <laughs> Uh, and then God blows into the situation, and at some level, Joseph gives up all of his control over managing the appearances and his reputation yes. and, and opens himself to this awesome, absolutely unpredictable thing that God is doing in his midst. And it's this amazing story of, of giving up control in the best possible way. And, and I think the other thing with the Christmas narrative is the shepherds are in the same, same boat. They get this angel voice showing up in their midst and who wouldn't try and control that moment either by capturing it or fleeing from it and instead they just are immersed in it and they carry the good news with them wherever they go. 
Um, and then the last story in the gospel, I mean, are you thinking of the crucifixion? I am, yes. Thank you for getting <laughs> us over there. You then literally have Jesus surrendering everything to God's will and especially think about the scene in the garden and he prays, you know, not my will, but thine be done, which we can go back and forth on control and good and it's bad, but at some point at the very core part of being a follower of Jesus is saying, you know, we have lots of wants and hopes and we try and try and try for things or especially people who struggle with control like me, but at, at the end of the day, you have to be tacking onto the end of everything you pray. Not my will, but thine be done. And that's, that's why Jesus is at the core of our faith. Yeah. Well, and then you get to what is the divine will, uh, and does God control everything or not? We've kind of touched on that in some of the other podcasts, in at least our sense that, that God purposely doesn't control everything. A loving God um, grants freedom. And, and then what does that love look like? And again, I'm not sure it's a series of rules meant to constrain human behavior. It's a series of invitations to add a good thing to the human family. Uh, so, um, you know, Jesus's absolute persistence in inviting people at the margins in and his refusal to forget people who have little and others can, can add to the feast in some way. So the feeding of the 5,000 and all those other great stories. I'm almost picturing like a giant chain reaction of love and freedom and control. So, you know, God in as love is God's nature, God gives us this freedom and choice and control over our own lives and then the best possible use of that freedom and choice we have is to give that choice and love and control to other people and then and then they do the same and it just spreads and spreads and spreads. This sounds like an image that I learned in college my first time on a ski slope and there was a rope toe, so at the bottom of the hill there was a rope. Whoa, how long ago was this, Jennifer? <laughs> whoa, well, whoa, you know, whoa. I'm only 29, no, so. That's right. <laughs> so at the bottom of the hill there was a rope and you grabbed the rope and then it would tow you to the top of the hill. Uh, the challenge is that you had to, you had to be careful how you grab the rope because if you grab too tightly, then the rope was just going to keep going and it would totally pull you over. Yep. <laughs> if you grab too loosely, you wouldn't go anywhere. But you would destroy your mitten. You could destroy your mitten for sure. <laughs> and then, but you, so you had to grab the right amount. And it seems to me finding that right tension point, that right amount of holding on, that right amount of control is really appropriate. Um, and as much as it kills me, that means I need to let her, let the chips fall where they may on the spelling test. <laughs> At least for one day okay. tomorrow. <clears throat> yeah. She's going to be just fine. She's got a good mom looking out for her. Well, if I can't let it happen on the spelling test, good knows. <laughs> yeah, but, that, but just the idea of letting go. I've done everything I can. Now it's in her hands. 
And maybe that's a little bit of God, too. Yeah. Well, and a good place to end this one, I think in the sense that having debated all this stuff for seven weeks, this is a good one not to resolve. Uh, control means many things in many different circumstances, and it's all about that tow rope example and how you choose to hold on and connect in the first place and where it's going to take you. Amen. Thanks for joining us, John, Muriel, and myself, for this discussion on control in our Sins and Virtues podcast series. Hopefully some of the ideas you've heard today or over the last seven weeks will spark more conversation in your small groups, in your homes, in your relationships. We pray that these conversations help you renew your faith in God and strengthen your faith in your relationships in your faith community.